Are you feeling stuck or are you unstoppable? Are you tired of creating incremental growth in your business while really wanting to make quantum leaps? Well then welcome, you found the right place to be fed. This is Susan, the founder of Unstoppable Women in Business and this podcast is for women entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, anyone who is unwaveringly focused on finding the best path to success in their business. While you're here, you're gonna be asked to think differently to get different results, to do things that are challenging, but oh, so rewarding. So come on, let's get started. Hey ladies, so happy to have you back here today. It is always fun to hang out with you and with the uh, pretty amazing women that I come across to bring a little bit of insight into things that I know matter to you. And so today we're going to talk about the way that sometimes our businesses, you know, especially women who have small businesses or mid-sized businesses, we sometimes get held back by operational bottlenecks. I know, sexy topic, but we got to explore it because the lack of um, strategic direction when it comes to this and the implementation of this can really hold us back in where we want to go. And to make matters worse, as business owners, we are often a little bit too close to the problem Or we might even lack the time and the capacity to really dig in and find a solution. And that's why I wanted to bring you a guest today, Daphne, who is a self-proclaimed business optimizer. And we're going to talk with Daphne about that because she and her team work. And I love this phrase, Daphne. They work to bring order to chaos every single day. And she's with us today to kind of share some of her most powerful tips on how to organize and streamline your business. And here's the payoff, ladies, because if you can do this and become more efficient, then you could do other things that you really enjoy doing, like going wine tasting like I'm doing next weekend. And Daphne's hanging out with her kids, she said, at the pool. So who wants to be in your business when you got more fun stuff to do, right? So Daphne, I want to welcome you. Um, that was just a kind of a really top level introduction of you. Why don't you share a little bit more about yourself, how you founded LaunchPoint and what is your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Welcome Daphne. Thank you, Susan. I'm really excited to be here. You know, I really founded LaunchPoint because after owning, you know, a couple of businesses before that, um, that were product-based and completely different and working for other entrepreneurs and seeing startup companies progress, I realized that my superpower was bringing order to chaos. And I saw what a big difference that could make within a business. And so it was was sort of on a whim when I was looking at what's my next venture, what do I want to do next? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go be a consultant and business optimizer and see if there's a need for this out there. And it turns out there is. So that's wonderful. Um, And my favorite part of being an entrepreneur really marries with what I love to do, which is getting to be a creative problem solver. Mm -hmm. I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm never solving the same problem every day. And I never feel like I'm in a rut with the work that I do. So that's my favorite part. 
Oh, that is so cool. All right. So what came to mind for me, Daphne? Um, the words, my superpower is cre- being an organizer, an optimizer. Oh, those words would never go through this girl's brain because, and I, I think I've talked about this before and you and I might've even chat about it. I am completely right-brained. I don't even think there's anything existing in the left side of my brain. I think it's empty because I know that I am so good at ideation and the, the creativity and like, ooh, the possibilities. I get a thought and I just like start spinning off into outer space with the, you know, where it would take us. But when it comes to organization process, you know, all the things that the left brain's in charge of, I just shut down and thank God my business partner, who's my daughter, she is amazing in this area. And so she kind of sweeps up after me and, you know, puts me in my place and keeps me, you know, heading in the right direction. So it's interesting for me that you say that you're both the optimizer and you, you want to create um, order out of chaos. So that's pretty much left brain stuff. Wouldn't you agree? Left brain? I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then you said you also love the creative nature. So it sounds almost like you are uh, one of those very rare breeds that are equally distributed across left and right brain. Would that be fair to say as well? I do think that's fair to say. And that's always something that people point out as my superpower that I can, I can work with the visionaries like yourself. Yes. I can hear your vision. I can understand it. And then I can turn around and say, great, here's how we're going to execute on this. <laughs> that's a gift. <laughs> that, Daphne, that's such a gift. I love that you are on the face of this earth doing what you do with LaunchPoint. So, so today let's talk about, cause we've only got a little bit of time Um, to be together. So I really want you to hone in on what you think is the most important thing for people to consider as they find themselves in this kind of chaotic place of building their business with so many things. That's what everyone tells me. It's like, I have so much to do. I have so much to do. Like, how do you bring order into that chaos? Where do you start with people? That's Great question. Um, And like I was just talking about really creating the roadmap to where you want to go. It's just such an important thing to do. But we have, you know, we have a couple of things that we focus on with our clients. And one is, of course, looking at process and systems, which, you know, is designing and documenting your ideal client experience, which funnels directly into choosing the right digital tools for your business. Mm. And so when we work with clients, either they've already chosen like, you know, seven different digital tools and it's <laughs> almost at that say, they're sure shiny object them. syndrome. Right. There's so many to choose from. Yep. And you're like, well, this one says it'll solve this problem and this one will solve this problem. So if I get all five of them, then all my problems are solved. <laughs> and then none of them talk to each other. And you don't have the time to set any of them up. And all of a sudden you're just, you know, paying recurring fees every month for really not making any difference in your business. Do you find that people, if they implement too many tools, they actually make more problems for themselves than they had to start with? Yes, because they'll, they have silos of information at that point in different places. I've been there. Yeah, I've done that. So if you, let's say you're working with someone who has been in business for a little while and has brought in several different tools and is kind of living in this um, self-imposed hell, 
on earth <laughs> that they've created. How do you start? Like, what is there an audit that you do? How do you determine whether or not they've got the right tools and if there needs to be adjustments there? I, I think where people can go wrong there is that they look at the tool first instead of their workflows. So we really like to step back and instead of looking at the tools they have in their toolbox, we go back and we say, well, let's detail out all of your workflows. What does, what do your ideal processes look like in your business? And that really starts at looking at what do they look like now? And in an ideal world where you're not taking 17 steps, but seven steps to get to the same end result, what does that flow of work look like? And then when we have that flow of work established, it's a lot easier to go back to your toolbox and say, well, which one of all the tools that I have fits with this workflow? You know, what you're saying is so simple. It makes so much sense. And yet, again, as someone who is a right brain creative person, it's like I never thought initially, like down a, a few years ago when I was first starting, I never thought to start with a workflow. It's like, I always started with, I want to do this. So I, I must need something to do it, right? The end result in essence of what I want right? and going from there. So you're kind of saying you have to back that up and figure out what are the steps along the way. And is that when you define workflows, is that how you would define it? The steps along the way to the end result? Exactly. Mm, thank God there's people like you because that sounds like a lot of detail. Once again, is anybody relating with this? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a lot of detail and it, it can be easy to get stuck in those details mm-hmm. and, you know, you're spinning yourself in circles with, are these the right details to document? And we always try to encourage people when they're looking at those workflows of just start with the overarching steps and buckets. Like don't get too deep into the weeds right away. You can do that once you have your overarching workflow in place. That sounds great. So it reminds me of uh, when I was a kid in school and I had to write a paper, I would start with the big buckets. You know, what are the main points, the main things that I need to cover here? And then you go back and you kind of fill in the cracks. So that's a perfect analogy. Cool. All right. Well, I could I could even do that. <laughs> All righty. So determining workflows and everything we've been talking about so far is what I would classify as almost back office or the things you have to do to run your business. How does this relate to the things that once you win a client and you need to keep them happy, do you have front of the house type things that need to be attended to as well. Yes, definitely. And these back of the house things that we don't really want to spend time on, they directly affect everything in that front of house. Mm. You know, as entrepreneurs, we're looking for where's that next sale coming from? And then we get that next sale. And if we don't have our back office in place, then all of a sudden we have a client who doesn't know what to expect from us, mm-hmm. doesn't know what to expect from our company or our services. And they, they're not having a smooth experience with you. They don't know what to expect around timelines and deliverables. And they might even along the way start questioning the value they're receiving from you because you had this great sales pitch and 
all these amazing results you're going to deliver. And then they walk through the doors of your business and they're like, what's well, a little disorganized in here? <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, and I'll tell you a story that brings this to life for you. When I first started um, offering the Success Collaborative, the group program, I had a really great launch plan. Um all the way up through holding, you know, a webinar, getting a couple hundred people interested in the webinar and like doing a really good job, like you said, of enrolling people into the experience. Like you want to come along here. You want to be part of this, right? And so I remember like the day before I went live on that webinar, um, the launch strategist I was working with said to me, okay, so you've got your onboarding piece of this. I'm sure all buttoned up and ready to go and blah, 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 blah. And she continues to talk. And I actually sat there. I'm not kidding you, Daffy. I think I had my like deer in the headlight. Look, because again, I am not a detail person. So I had never gone beyond. Oh, they said, yes. Awesome. Like here's the payment um, page and go ahead and pay your money. And I'm like, Oh, but then what happens? Like, then what's the first communication that they get from me? And then what's the next thing they have to do? And then how do we, you know, how do I, I had it all in my head. I, I knew what I wanted the experience to look like, but I had not documented anything. And I, I'm I'm not kidding you. I was scrambling like a fool. Uh, I, I wish I had had you on uh, speed dial that evening. <laughs> I don't know if you would have answered, but yeah. How does that how does that impact? I, I was able to tap dance my way through it. But when people are not prepared for what happens after they say yes, what's the uh, impact of that? Unfortunately, what we see most often is that you start having almost like a revolving door of clients. You know, mm-hmm. clients only stay with you for at most 90 days. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a good experience within those 90 days, walk out the back door and you're stuck in the vicious cycle of just trying to get people through the door, but you're still not delivering a great experience once they're in there. So they just keep walking out. Yeah. So can you tell us a few components of what creates a really ideal client experience? Absolutely. I mean, one is like what you said, Mm -hmm. if we've started a business and we are really passionate about what we do, you know what you want to deliver to your client. You you know those things. So really the important thing is to sit down and document what those are. Just like you said, if you would have had those things documented, then it would have been as easy as a click of a button and people would have been onboarded and then they would have had all these beautiful deliverables, you know, popping into their inbox um, or social media feed. So that's, that's one thing to build out that structured workflow of how you ideally want to deliver your services. Mm-hmm. But this is where a lot of entrepreneurs think that it gets too stale and boring. And so I really like to encourage people to, if you just nail down those quote unquote boring details, that's when you get to be creative because then you get to fill in the rest mm-hmm. with, what is your wow factor and what's the magic that you bring to the table? I love that because that really is what creates raving fans of your business. Mm -hmm. It's the wow factor. And unfortunately, a lot of times the wow factor lives in your mind. It's like when you're taking, like, I know 
Here's what I say, Daphne. When I apply heat to my head, I get amazing thoughts. Like I'll be blow drying my hair and I go, oh my gosh, you know what would be so cool to do? And I'm getting these really great thoughts, but then then I'm off and running. And so I don't document them and I don't get them into the flow like you that you'd mentioned, a, a workflow. Um and the thought just becomes a really nice idea and never comes to fruition. That happens to me quite often. So in creating the ideal experience, I love the way you approached that from the perspective that you start with the stuff that's just the basics. That's like, this is what you promised in your program or in your, your whatever you're delivering to them. And then pepper in the stuff that really is the wow. I love that idea. Do you also use systems? Are you a proponent of using systems to automate um, a lot of those touches as well? Or how did the two pieces come together? We love using automations. And that's why we really look at processes and then your digital tools as going hand in hand. Especially when you're running a small team or you're a solopreneur, you only have so much time on your hands. Mm-hmm. And if you can build a workflow that you can put into a CRM or a project management system that can run even 50% of those pieces for you mm-hmm. automatically, then all of a sudden you don't have to spend your time doing that. And you can spend more of your time on the things that you love or being face to face with your clients. Right. Love it. All right. So are you agnostic? when it comes to the actual systems that you recommend? Or do you have like a couple that you're like, "Mm, you know, if I was going to start out, I might think about this one for project management or think about that one for CRM or what other types of systems, Um, email marketing systems. Where do you stand on those things? We have a couple that are our favorites, of course. Um, But we we always try to be very non-judgmental when we go in and look at a new business so that we're not, you know, just sending them to here are three favorites and everyone's going to use those Mm -hmm. because a lot of them can be industry specific as well. Mm. But we, as far as project management tools go, we love monday.com. It's what we use ourselves internally. And Mm -hmm. it's really a powerful project management. And it can also be a CRM platform where you can customize almost anything in there. And it's very user-friendly for building automations and integrations, even with you know low technical levels. Okay. Well, I didn't know that it was an integrated system. I knew of it as a project management system, but it also does CRM, email marketing, those types of things as well. Um, you can't do your email marketing in there, but if you're savvy enough to know how to connect it mm-hmm. to your email marketing tool, you know, such mm-hmm. as MailChimp or something like that, it can send your automatic emails for you. And it's not the most powerful CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, Drive is a great one that we recommend if you're really looking for a more powerful standalone CRM. Okay. Um, Asana is another great project management tool that we really like. Mm-hmm. Um, ClickUp is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a lot of email marketing, Active Campaign is a great blend between a CRM and an email marketing platform. And depending on how your workflow goes, you can also implement project management into that platform. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, there you go. There's a few pointers in the direction if y'all, you know, have not invested or, you know, really solidified the direction you're heading in in those types of um, 
technology tools. Daphne just gave you some great places to start taking a look. And we can put those in the show note for you as well, people. So don't worry about that. Um, Daphne, what is the what is one final tip that you can share with the audience that'll help them out? I would say one final tip is don't overcomplicate things. When it comes to your processes and your system, less is always more. And it's very important to look at your handoffs and transitions because those are the big pieces where your clients can fall through the cracks. If they're going from one bucket to the next or one person to the next. Mm-hmm. Can we go just a little bit deeper in there? So handoffs and transitions of the client. So if I'm the um, person who is front-facing when it comes to selling, all right. And then um, the handoff might go from me to my finance person who's going to take care of all the contracting and so on and so forth. And then the client success manager comes in and um, walks them through the onboarding process. What, you know, Just kind of an, a, a typical, I think, example of a business yeah. flow, right? Um, how, how do you create smooth handoffs? What are what are like, what's a tip you have for people on making that a smooth process? My tip for that is to take as much of the, honestly, the human out of it as possible, (laughs) as far as, as far as being responsible for the transition, because that's often where we fall short. You forget to send the email to the finance department because you had to jump on another call right away. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's, 24 or 48 hours later, and you have yet to send a contract to this mm. new sale that you had. Yeah. Or, you know, finance sends out the contract, they forget to follow up on it, or they get the signed copy back. Forget to let the client success manager know that, hey, we have a new client and you should start onboarding them or contacting them. Mm-hmm. So that's really where I encourage people to utilize a project management system and automations. So that the person who's selling can go in and click a button that automatically notifies both the finance department and the client success manager right? so that they know where to take over and what to do next. And human error is out of the picture as much as possible. Oh, this is so good, Daphne. There are so many times when I hear women talking about scaling their business. They want to get bigger. They want to do more volume. And, uh, you know, just like... <laughs> just like human nature, you're thinking about how am I going to bring that in? Like, who am I going to attract? How do I meet them? How, what do I have to say? What do the packages look like? So there's all this sales and marketing stuff that is at the forefront of your mind. But what you're talking about is to get the full picture and to be successful on an ongoing basis in scaling your business, you really do have to pay attention to the details because it can get pretty chaotic in there. If you're successful at what you're doing, it's going to get chaotic unless you have these processes in place. Yes. And if you don't put those processes in place, you'll find yourself in the cycle of selling and then you have to shift to delivering Yes, and you have to give up on sales during delivering. And all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, I have to go back to selling because I don't have money coming into my business. And you find yourself toggling back and forth between the two Versus just being able to focus 80% on selling and 20% on the deliverable piece. Oh, you guys, I hope you really listened to what Daphne just said because um, 
what I hear from people being a sales coach, a business strategist, what I hear from people is I want consistent revenue. I need to know that I've got cash coming in at a consistent flow. Um, And what Daphne just told you is almost like the keys to the kingdom. When you're toggling back and forth, sometimes you're focusing on sales and marketing, sometimes you're focusing on, and you're distracted in both areas, you're not going to do either of them well. And so spending a little bit of time being strategic in how you create your your workflows, create your, your processes, make certain your systems are implemented properly will pay dividends in keeping consistent revenue flowing, flowing into your company. And now we've just solved all the problems of the world, Daphne. Right. <laughs> at least, at least in the entrepreneur's world, right? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Daphne, tell um, my, my people where they can find you because you are a brilliant woman. Oh, thank you. Um, you can find us on our website, launchpointco.com. And then of course, you know, you can find LaunchPoint on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I don't know if there's anyone else that spells their name the way I do. So if you find someone with Daphne, D-A-F-N-E, it's probably me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Way to distinguish yourself, lady. I love it. Your mama was smart when she borrowed you. <laughs> she was. Awesome. Daphne, has been such a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening in today. I know that this subject is a little bit deeper than uh, some of the topics that we take on, but I think it is such an important one for you to consider as you grow into becoming the CEO of your company and scaling that baby up to become the legacy that you want it to be. So thanks for for, uh, showing up today, joining in. Daphne, thank you for your time. And y'all, until we talk again, you go get them, girls. Go on and know you can do it. Yeah, go, get out of here right now. Take care. Hey there, lady. What are you doing? We need to get to know each other better. Come on over and visit me at www.unstoppablewomeninbusiness.com and check it out. I've got so much good stuff over there for you. And I would love to get to know you better. So come on, come on over. Let's hang out.